from the Center for European Reform. This is the CER Podcast. Hello and welcome to another episode of the CER Podcast. My name is Sophia Besch and I'm a research fellow here at the Center for European Reform. And today I'm in conversation with Luigi Scanzieri, who is another research fellow here at the CER. And we're going to talk about the impending Italian elections. The elections are on the 4th of March. Luigi, can you just start out by giving us an overview of who is in power now, who are the parties that are running and who is in the lead? Yes, absolutely. So uh, the current government is a centre-left, a centrist government led by Prime Minister Paolo Gentiloni, who has been in power for a few years now. The landscape at the upcoming election is essentially made up of four different coalitions that will run against each other. One is the centre-left coalition, so made of the ruling Democratic Party plus smaller centrist parties. There's a centre-right coalition, which is made up by Silvio Berlusconi's Forza Italia party, the Northern League, and a smaller party called Brothers of Italy. Then there's the Five Star Movement, which is running by itself. It's refused alliances uh, with, with any other parties. And uh, there's a left-wing coalition made up of some parties which split previously from the Democratic Party and smaller elements. So currently, uh, the polls paint a picture where it seems that no one is able to win the election outright. So the centre-left is doing quite poorly. It's on slightly less than 30%. The centre-right coalition is near 40% and the five-star movement around 30%. But with these numbers, the only one that may have a chance of forming government is, is the centre-right. But polls in Italy are based on very small samples usually, so they're even less reliable than they are in, in other situations. Sophia. Don't trust the polls. This is always the caveat that we start our podcast with or it should be in the future. But you say that right now the centre-right coalition is in the lead. What are the platforms that it is campaigning on? Yeah, so at one level, the centre-right coalition benefits from the fact that it simply is the opposition, so it hasn't been in power, and of course that always provides parties with a slight boost. But the two main themes it has been campaigning on chime with the concerns that the Italian population has. So namely, one is that the economy remains weak, unemployment is still quite high at near 11%. The second main concern is migration. So in the Italian context, this means external migration from outside of the EU, not uh, free movement as in the case of the UK. There have been around 600,000 arrivals in the past four years, and the government has sought to strike some deals with, with the likes of Libya to reduce the number of arrivals. And while this has had some success, it hasn't really filtered into uh, popular perceptions, and so it hasn't benefited. And lastly, the centre-right, I think, also benefits from a feeling in certain parts of the population that the EU simply does not listen to Italian concerns and that it's not necessarily good for Italy anymore. So we know from polls... Uh, that only about 37% of Italians now have a positive view of the European Union. This is down significantly from previous years. Italians used to be amongst Europeans with some of the most positive views of the EU. Partly, this may be actually due to the actions of President Macron, who in the summer last year nationalized France's STX shipyard to prevent the Italian Fincantieri from acquiring it. Now this has been solved, but the damage, in a sense, has been already done, as well as some of Macron's diplomacy around Libya that seemed to alienate Rome. So this this perception, I think, will play an important role in the upcoming election, even if the centre-right does not win. Because, in a sense, all parties across the Italian political spectrum have become less Europhile. 
Okay, so I want to talk about that year skepticism later, but some election arithmetics before then, because this for me is where it gets really interesting. If no party gets enough votes, which is a possibility that you mentioned earlier, there are going to have to be coalition negotiations. But in this case, there's going to have to be coalition negotiations between coalitions, right? So that means that we could end up with a new realignment of parties. We right now have the center-right and the center-left coalition. What could be the new coalition alignments that we could end up with, Luigi? So there's several scenarios that are possible. If, if the centre-right coalition is only lacking a few MPs, say 10 or so, then it could well poach them from other parties in, in one way or the other. But as you said, there are two broader realignments which are possible. One is that a centrist coalition, broadly speaking, comes into being. Now, this would include Berlusconi's Forza Italia party, the Democratic Party, and all kinds of centrists, as well as some splinters of the Democratic Party currently in the left-wing coalition. And I consider this to be likely out Outcome, to be honest. The somewhat less likely outcome is that the coalition split up in a different way. So the Five Star ends up with the Northern League and with Brothers of Italy. We could call this a populist coalition. Now, it is on the cards. I'm not so sure that the parties could actually work together when it push comes to shove, simply because for much of the Five Stars electorate, the League's positions on, on migration would be considered too hard. It is extremely xenophobic, almost racist. This is not necessarily true of the Five Star electorate. And likewise, for the electorate of the League or Brothers of Italy, the Five Star might be considered too left-wing. So it's on the cards, but I, I would not be so confident that they can actually work. Okay, again, let's hold off on populism for another minute and talk about what these more centrist coalition parties or the centre-right or the centre-left would pursue when it comes to the EU. Yeah, that's an interesting question. So as I said, any Italian government is likely to be less Europhile than has been the case in the past. Now, a centre-left coalition or a centrist coalition would continue with more or less the same policies that Italy has pursued so far. So it would push for Eurozone reform. It would push to loosen the 3% limit on public deficit and it would push for more EU action on migration. Now, translated, what this means is that there has to be more solidarity in taking in migrants who arrive in Italy. It would economically continue more or less on the same trajectory as, as the current government, trying to reduce the deficit and to reduce the number of non-performing loans, which in turn might facilitate a Eurozone reform banking union to actually materialise. Now, a centre-right coalition wouldn't be drastically different, in my view. The tones would be different. It would be more confrontational. It would be more strident in demanding a loosening of Eurozone rules, in demanding more solidarity on migration. And in foreign policy, it would take a slightly different stance on Russia. So more overtly pro-Russia, perhaps make more noises on Russia sanctions. It wouldn't veto them, but it would create potentially some friction. Now, part of its program is a program of fiscal loosening, of tax reduction and so on. I think this isn't necessarily uh, realistic purely because Italy's public debt is so high that any substantial tax reduction will result in, in foreign investors losing confidence and not buying up Italian debt anymore. So in a sense, there's um, a self-restraining mechanism built into the system. Okay, so how would the Populist Party be different? What is the extent of its Euroscepticism? Could it try to take Italy out of the EU altogether? And also, could we end up with Berlusconi as Italian Prime Minister again? So the answer to the last question is no, we couldn't end up with Berlusconi, at least in the immediate future, because he's been convicted for tax fraud. So unless the conviction is overturned, that will not be the case. Now, a populist 
coalition would pursue a policy which, in my view, would alter, the, again, the tones rather than the substance of Italy's European and foreign policy. So the tones, at least in the beginning, would be quite strident. There would be much talk of breaking with EU policies, of fighting back against the so-called Germanic austerity and migration. Domestically, there would be attempts to shift somewhat the fiscal burden and lower taxes. The lowering of taxes would not prove feasible in the long term because of structural dynamics. As to foreign and European policy, it's important to remember that actually none of the parties advocates leaving the EU. What they used to advocate, now their positions have become slightly murkier on this, is uh, uh, leaving the Eurozone. But, for instance, not long ago, during the electoral campaign, the the five-star prime ministerial candidate actually claimed that Italy would abide by the 3% budget deficit limit. So the the positions have become very muddled on leaving the Euro. And it's important to remember that actually about 60% of Italians still support the Euro. So This position may well be why the parties are not so keen on it anymore. It's also important to remember that actually a referendum on Italy's Euro membership is not constitutional. So it would first require a change in the constitution for which the two parties would not have the the required majority. Right. So from an EU perspective, the question that is always in the air when we talk about Italy is how likely is a shock election that would lead potentially to a coalition of populist parties to lead to a renewed Eurozone crisis? So this, uh, I I think, remains the less uh, likely outcome. I still consider the likeliest outcome to be a very broad so-called centrist coalition. Now, also, as I said, even if this um, shock was to materialize and we would end up with a populist coalition, in fact, new elections would probably be likelier, but even if we were to end up with a populist coalition, this um, wouldn't endanger the Eurozone in its current context purely because the parties would first push for reform of the Euro, they would presumably fail in that, and then they would come up against the constitutional limits on the, on the Euro referendum and be unable to carry it out. More broadly, however, I think it is worth noting that however the election ends up, around 40% of Italian voters will have voted for Eurosceptic parties. And in addition to that, large parts of more mainstream parties have also taken on less uh, Europhile rhetoric. So this is obviously something for the EU to reflect upon. It's also important to bear in mind that polls suggest that many young voters will plump for Eurosceptic parties. So this is a dynamic which is quite unfamiliar in the UK, where it was mostly older voters who went for Brexit. Yeah, so I thought that that was particularly fascinating and and worrying about the poll numbers that I saw, that so many young people in Italy have stopped believing in the EU. Why do you think that is? And what should Italy, what should the EU do to address this challenge in the long term? I think for many young people, what has happened is that, the, especially those voting for the first time, the only reality they would have known in their political lives would be one of essentially recession or extremely low economic growth, no job prospects. So this would affect their mentality. And, and also some of the factors affecting older voters would also have an impact on them, such as migration and the broader economic situation. I simply think younger voters are more vulnerable to these factors. Now, what the EU can do hasn't changed compared to a few years ago, but it is more effectively tackling the migration crisis by managing it better in partnership with third countries. Now we see the EU uh, make some moves in this direction. More importantly, a reform of the Eurozone towards a a more um, growth-friendly outlook, I think, is becoming more and more crucial because now we're in a relatively favourable economic context with some growth, even in Italy, with some growth across the Eurozone. When this changes with the next economic crisis, it would be best to face it from a position of strength rather than weakness, or the political consequences could be quite severe. Luigi Scazzieri, thank you very much.
Thanks for listening to the CEA podcast and thanks to Beth Oppenheim, our editor. You can subscribe to our podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud and follow us on Twitter, CEA underscore EU. Thank you.